Insight, Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. Uh, this week, we've got Chrissy Teigen on the pod. Chrissy is releasing her second cookbook next week called Cravings, Hungry for More, which is a follow-up to her best-selling smash hit, Cravings, Recipe for All the Foods You Want to Eat. If you follow Chrissy on Twitter, you know what a sort of smart, irreverent, funny, smart-ass, candid person she can be. And her cookbook is much the same. It's a super fun read. It's entertaining. It's funny. And it's got all sorts of delicious recipes in it, like cheese-stuffed chicken milanese, crispy and gooey. And that is such a genius recipe idea. Also in the book, we have homemade corn dogs and all sorts of Thai food that Chrissy uh, grew up eating when her mom was at the helm in the kitchen. So yeah, she and I, we talked about the process. She went through writing and testing the book this time around, how her cooking style has changed since she's become a mom of two, and what she would serve to me if she would actually invite me over to dinner. Fingers crossed. Before we get started, one more reminder to sign up for our newsletter by going to tinyletter.com slash foodcast. We send out a short but sweet email to your inbox every week talking about the episode at hand, what's going on behind the scenes, plus links to recipes and all sorts of other fun stuff. That is tinyletter.com slash foodcast. All right, let's do this. Here is Chrissy Teigen. Uh, Chrissy Teigen, welcome to the podcast. Hello, how are you? I am well. How are you? I'm so excited. I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Chrissy, uh, first question, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Um, I just actually had a cauliflower, half cauliflower, half oats porridge with shiitake mushrooms and bone broth. Oh, no, you, did you wait, egg on top. Did you really? Did you make that yourself? I, I did, yes. We actually we make it um, about once a week, and then we freeze it. And it just sits and gets better and better. And it's actually, um, it, it helps me with milk production. How, so um, Miles is your infant, correct? Is that correct? Yes, Miles is um, eight weeks old now. And yeah, he's, um, he's fantastic. And um, it's just, it's really, it's fun. It's really fun with a two-year-old and a little baby. Like, it's, it's chaos. So I only have one. I have, I have a 10-year-old boy. So, But I have to ask, because this is what all parents want to talk about. How, what's the sleep situation? Actually, she has always been really good at sleeping. Luna, has, um, she goes down around 7.30. We put, we, she goes up at 6.30, but she falls asleep around 7.30, and she sleeps. We have the monitor, and she kind of... Now she's, you know, learning how to count and do ABCs. So throughout the night, she randomly says stuff like that into the monitor. <laughs> and then, but she always goes back down and then she wakes up around 7.30 in the morning. That's amazing. Uh, so 12, Miles, 12, 12 solid hours? Yeah. Oh, wow. Like she really is, she's very good. And she, um, you know, the more she naps during the day, she actually sleeps better at night. So we got very lucky with her. Miles, of course, needs to eat every couple hours. And he's a night owl. He really, he's like us. Um, John and I are night people too, so... It's, it, it works out, actually. So how has it – did you guys – all right, cooking-wise slash, like, let's say entertaining-wise, how did having kids impact that sort of routine of yours in terms of, oh, having dinner and opening a bottle of wine and that sort of stuff? Is it, like, business as yes, usual I, or I has think it? what's been – I think that since she has been so good at sleeping uh, pretty much her whole life, um, we always knew that at 7.30 we were able to kind of shut off open the bottle of wine, and and really enjoy making a meal together. We do eat really late, yeah. and I think we're lucky for that. Like, we would never be able to eat dinner at 8 o'clock. We've just never been those people. Yeah, you're not starting cooking till the 
to the now two-year-old is yes. down. I mean, we start at 8, we're eating at 10, 30, 11. <laughs> like, that's very normal for us. Um, it always has been. So, yeah, we, we've, uh, we're just very lucky in that way. But, um, yeah, it's knowing that when they're gone, they're actually asleep and, and out of our hair. Like, that's really something to look forward to yeah. throughout the day. Not that we don't completely enjoy the time with them all day. I will say, <laughs> like, you never you never love your kid more when, than when you're looking at them in bed sleeping. You're like, oh, they're so cute. It is Now cute. let's open that bottle of wine. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah, you, and it tastes so good after, yeah. like, a long day anyway. So it's kind of – it's worth it. Like, wine never tasted so good. Yeah. Okay, so are you you write about – right, new book, Cravings. I feel like it's like a movie, yes. like Cravings, the sequel. Cravings, Hungry for More. Yes. You, you do write pretty candidly in there that it was a challenge getting going on this book, having just had your first child and sort of dealing with being a new mother. And, like, what, what was that process like, the writing of this book – compared to the Honestly, first one. Was, uh, this one is so different. I look, I look back through the recipes, and for maybe a quarter of them, I was, you know, pretty heavy-duty in, in, like, the midst of postpartum depression. Like, I was really in a dark place for it. And um, obviously, that affects everything, not just mentally, but physically. You're, you're exhausted. Your bones hurt. Um, you, it's hard to look at food because you don't want to eat it. And it, it was pretty torturous to have to you know, write some recipes when you don't have an appetite yourself. Um, so I think once we really realized and, and honed in on the issue and really started realizing the issue and a, everyone was able to understand that we have to stop here. Like, this isn't this isn't going to be good for anybody. I'm not going to put out recipes I love. I'm not going to be able to taste the recipes I love. So we just put a hold on everything for about five months or so until... Um, until I started feeling better, and it changed everything. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you know too. It's hard to write about food if you're not in the mood. Even yeah. I'm not depressed. It's hard for me to write about food if I'm, if I'm just not in the perfect mood for it. You have such a tight relationship with your readers slash followers, etc., and they expect. It seems like they expect you to be exuberant and funny and candid and and yes. on. And it's hard to be on when you're when you're not feeling on. Exactly. No, and I'm sure you feel the same pressure too. It's really not the. It's it's really really tough, and you can't just you can't just flip a switch and turn it on. Really, you know. Even there were days on lip sync battle, where you know my whole job is to be goofy and have so much fun, but it's not feeling that way. You know, in your mind and in your heart, it's really tough to go out there and and be goofy and silly. And yeah, I've just um, never been that kind of person. I've never been a good actress. I've never been good at faking any emotions. So. Yeah, it was a little bit tough for me, but I think that's what's so great about the book is that everyone around me that helped with it, uh, I mean, including Clarkson Potter, I mean, down from publishing to co-authors, everything, they really understood. And Was there one day where you said, guys, let's have a conference call, and you got on the phone with Clarkson and your, and your co-writer or Francis, your editor, and said, can we talk about yeah. this? Or who, who spurred that decision? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there were, there were so many email chains going around, and... I mean, I think it was maybe John actually had wrote everybody and um, Luke Dillon, my manager, he was like, Luke, let's blast an email to everybody explaining what's going on. I mean, it wasn't, it was, it, you know, obviously I'm not good at hiding anything. Everyone knew already. It was just something that was kind of not really spoken about. It was, it was the elephant in the room, basically. I mean, I was, uh, it, it was very obvious to everybody, but you just didn't, you, we, I, I personally couldn't tell if I was just tired from being a new mom or if everyone feels like this or is, you know, am I just 
you know, it might be moody. Maybe all parents feel this way. So it wasn't until, you know, having a doctor really actually diagnose it um, that we were able to feel comfortable telling everybody and everyone was so beyond understanding. I mean, Francis especially. Francis is so wonderful. And, yeah, it was, you know, we decided that, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a good book anyway if it weren't in the perfect circumstances and perfect conditions. So, yeah, they were they were great. It's interesting. So you and for anyone who follows you on Twitter or Instagram knows that you are very open and very sharing, and you sort of have established this sort of open door policy with 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 like yeah. the public and fans. Have you what what do you think Chrissy Teigen would be like now in 2018 if there never were social media? If there never were, oh my yeah. gosh, um, I kind of, I, I, I'd probably be a real housewife. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't even, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I like to think back on the days when, um, you know, I was with, I'm with IMG right now as an agency, and um, uh, I've had agencies before them though, where social media was like really frowned upon. You really, um, it would hinder, you know, your. Um, brand opportunities. Uh, they don't want you, you to know, embarrass I, yourself and stuff like that, I imagine. Yes. I mean, and I am like, when I hate a product, I say that. And when I love one, I say that too. So it was always kind of better in the beginning to be hush-hush. But then I think um, people, you know, realize your authenticity, Then you, that when you love something, you really do love it. And brands pick up on that. And uh, so now it's worked out in my favor. But in the beginning, oh my gosh, I was a mess. I I had a, I remember I had a Gillette razor deal and I had tweeted about how it's like buying a razor is like buying crack like at the <laughs> drugstore like it's so it's so it's like behind it's you got, you got hate, like, they, they have they always, like, they, they always have them locked up and you have to like ask someone yeah, it's like excuse me uh, yeah, um like, can it's you kind of like unlock an embarrassing thing to ask for like can you can you please help me like it's 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 a tough thing to try to get. So um, yeah, I and they were very unhappy with that, obviously. And <laughs> uh, but yeah, you learn now that um, you know, obviously, uh, you just can't say everything. But, yes. But yeah, I've grown. <laughs> so in terms of writing the book, that writing process, your co-author Adina Sussman, how does that work? Because you obviously are someone who's has a lot to say. You often say it on your own. Do you guys sit down yeah. and kind of chat out like what I your thoughts say, are? I always and I have such similar brains. Um, we The foods we love, you know what, she obviously knows so much about food. I think for me, um, what I loved most about Adina is she just gets so equally excited about food. Um she like the passion that she has in the simplest things. She really gave me actually the balls to to feel like I could try anything and make something up or you know, I'd be like, Do you think this cheese would go well, you know, with this? And she would say, How are you gonna know if you don't try it? So and I was always very by the book, which is why I love cookbooks so much, is I love following a recipe. I love reading cookbooks. And I kind of like to I used to stick to recipes, you know, I, I wouldn't be that adventurous and she taught me how to um, you know, just go with my gut and go with your palate. And and she also, um, you know, we would wake up in the morning and we'd text each other and we just have a, we have like the brain of a stoner, basically. We we're, we always called ourselves like, you know, stoners who don't smoke. Like we have, that's the palate we love. Um, that's the palate we have. And uh, just the, it, make, re, making recipes with her was, truly so fun because she knows all the technical things you know how to 
because, um, you know, more important than a recipe is being able to get that base of it, establish that base, how to do the perfect poached egg, how to, you know, make a fluffy biscuit. And those tips and things are the things that I love and I need to hear, too, because I'm just a home cook. I'm not a chef in any way. Having her to, to, get, it tech, to get the recipes technically perfect were great. was great. Yeah, it's fine. On the stoner note, I feel like looking at your cookbook, both of them, actually, there's a, it's kind of like when you walk into, like, a Hillstone restaurant, like Houston's or R&D Kitchen, where you're kind of like, oh, I actually want to order the entire menu. Um, yes, I know. <laughs> and I'm very big on adjectives in the book too, as you can see. Like everything's like gooey. Like I mean, it's. I well, love well, you have like you. Ha- so you have cheesy chicken milanese, as if ch- chicken milanese isn't good enough. Where you got a breaded crispy cutlet with the arugula and tomatoes on top, but you decided, oh, I'm going to fill know. this cutlet with gooey, oozy cheese when you like cut into it. Very anti that because I kind of make fun of it too. I'm like, we get it. That's what it. That's what I'm. You know. You don't have to write, like, the breaded, the, the this, the that. Um, but I like it because I like to – I think when you hear it, it sells it to people, and it makes people really want to make that recipe when they're flipping through chicken milanese. I, I mean, that's fine, but to really, like, hear all the to, – to hear all the goodness that goes into it and how they're going to sell it to their friends and family when they present it. I want people to be really proud of the things they make, and I think I think those words really help. I, I – I mean, even when I'm in a group text with friends and I'm telling them what I'm making for dinner, I include all those words, too, and um, to lure them into coming over to my house. I'm like a used car salesman with oh, food. Okay, let's let's say you were to invite me over to dinner. Like, hey, Adam, we're having like a little like get-together tonight. Do you want to come uh-huh. over? Um, and you still, have got, you still have the two kids at home to deal with. Like, what uh-huh. is a manageable sort of entertaining meal that you might make, say, for like eight people tonight? Like something I could throw together quickly or something that kind of is easy and takes care of itself all day? I don't know. You tell me. Like, we're, we're having dinner tonight, um, all right? So I, I can – because I'm on the East Coast. It's three hours earlier there, so I can get on a plane now and still be there by, like, 5 p.m. West Coast. Time. See, I would love that. I love a good brace, if anything. I really – I I'm more a fan of things that have been cooked slowly all day mm. and, have, and have turned themselves into, like, a pot of love rather than a quick meal. Um Especially if you're coming over. I'm not going to do something like that. I mean, I love doing an asabuco or something. Uh, God, I love um, like a hearty stew over smashed potatoes. Oh, I, yes. Can we talk? Can we talk? And I'm very into one pot meals. I used to, you know, when I was on that show Fab Life or whatever, I, um, they were always trying to get me to do segments where everything was about meals that you can freeze all week, meals that um, were one pot, meals that were slow cooked meals. Um, uh, things you could shake in a Ziploc bag, and I never understood it until I had kids. I never got it, and now I completely understand it. Um, I and I and I feel like from the first book to second book too, there's so much change in. You know, I was having people make their own tortilla chips. I was like, "You're crazy if you don't just cut up a bunch of wontons and fry them yourself, and then season them." Or, you know, why don't you make this seasoning for the everything bagel chicken? why go buy it? And now you can buy things like that. Like in this book, I'm like, you know what, crumble up some chips, let's do this. But I still want people to be proud of like the actual base of the recipe. Where we can make shortcuts, I think is always good. It's not going to be in that, it's never like in a canned food way or, you know, a bag of shredded cheese or something. But in the way that you can get away with, you know, little minor adjustments, we've we've used it this time around. But I I don't know what I'd make, back to your question, I don't know what I'd make you. Honestly, I get really... Okay, could, cooking for actual foodies. Could you like, make? I'm just like an editor guy. Could you make me the coconut short rib curry beef rendang? Oh which my I, in gosh, the book? yes, yes. Oh my gosh, we have such an amazing jerk lamb chops recipe. Well, too. I like and that one too. We, 
I realized that we needed a, another coconut rice. The coconut rice did so well in the first book because people would make a ton, freeze it. In the morning, they'd have it with fruit. At night, they'd have it with, you know, beef, Korean beef kalbi or something. It was great. And then this one, we did a banana rice because it was hard for me to find plantains that day. And um, the banana rice is our new coconut rice, and it's so good. You mentioned in the intro of this book that you are sort of uh, sharing more of those sort of flavors you might have grown up with on your mom's side, who's Thai, that were yes. a lot more assertive and acidic and, and pungent yes. and whatnot. And can you talk about that decision to sort of, yes, there are still cheesy, gooey, ooey recipes in this book, but yes. there's also some recipes that sort of head in a different direction? Yes. I mean, I was always um, really nervous. I think in the first book, one of my biggest stresses was um, that mom chapter because it's really hard to get a recipe out of her. I mean, anyone that has an Asian mom or an Italian mother or, you know, um, they come from a culture of food and really loving to cook at home, it's hard to get a recipe out of them. They are constantly using what they have, um, what they have on hand. Everything changes depending on, yeah. you know, what's in the fridge already, how they're feeling that day. You never know. They don't write anything down. They don't, they don't measure. It's really complicated. And I was scared that people would be scared to make Thai food. I mean, like you said, it's pungent, it's strong, it's fish sauce, it's um, chunks of garlic. It's, it, can be a, it can be a lot for people. And I, uh, once I realized how, how many people, like getting those Instagram tags of people um, really loving those recipes, and I didn't think anyone would stuff um, ground pork into a cucumber and boil it with chicken broth, and, but they did, and they loved the flavors, and I thought that was so cool. So... We were a ball here uh, with the Thai chapter in this in in Hungry for More because people, I mean, they really made me so happy and so appreciative of them that they would love these recipes and they they took to the Thai recipes and they were excited to do them and they could find the ingredients. I didn't know if they could find all the ingredients in their hometown and once we learned that they could, it it was on. Like I became, I'm like, let's do a fish cake, you know, let's do um, cow todd, crispy rice, let let's you know give the people what they want. So. Uh, this one is definitely more extensive and a little more un, not as traditional. I mean, we do have like a pod thai carbonara, but also you're going into like food from my mom's village days, which is really cool. All right, pod thai pod pod thai carbonara is perhaps like the stoneriest dish ever created. <laughs> it's so well. It started because my mom didn't have any. Um, she was making pad thai, but she didn't have any meat. And then she's like, what if I just use bacon? And then I was like, this is amazing. Like, um, <laughs> everyone in the house was eating it. She didn't have um, she didn't have Chinese broccoli, so she was using bok choy. I mean, she will make something out of nothing. Like, God bless her. It's amazing. It's like a – and it's, it's basically, you know, where soul food comes from, too, is being able to utilize these ingredients that are underused and – and not appreciated and making them delicious. And my mom has always been able to do that. There's a recipe for Thai fried ribs that I was hesitant to put in because it's three ingredients. It's literally soy sauce, garlic, and pepper and ribs. So, and it's, um, but it's so delicious that it's like these little ends of ribs and mm. you're just gnawing on the bone and this really, you know, jerky like rib. And my daughter loves it and we all love it. It's, it's, I don't know. I, I, you know, you try something like that, and you're like, no, this this has to be in. You you have to be comfortable with putting easier things in the book. Well, the funny thing is, like, and it's so often the easier things that is what everyone ends up making. And I know. Actually, like salads and stuff get you know. I thank God for social media because 
I wouldn't really know what people were making the most. Um, I think my cacio e pepe, um, which was one of the sim- one of the easiest recipes in the last book, is made 20 times more than anything else. And I don't know why people gravitate. I was wondering why people gravitate towards things like that. And then I realized, what's well, the simplicity? It's the Cobb salads were being it's made also, so it's much. A, it's also cheese and butter. That's another reason. <laughs> I know. It's cheese and butter and, uh, and, and the option to make vegetarian, which people love. And that's all, also a thing that we thought about with this book, you know. People have so many dietary restrictions yes. now, and even if it's something they're not allergic to, everyone's on some weird paleo, keto. You want to be able to please everybody, so we tried. Um, if John has to make one thing for you, what's he cooking you that, that he can cook? Oh, gosh, John's an amazing cook, and especially this summer, um, or I'm sorry, the past few months, he has he's made almost, I would say he would cook seven days a week at um, while I was pregnant. I mean, he really, um, you know, he really became, he was always my suit. Like, he would always be so good at, he loved chopping. You know, you teach him one thing, he remembers it forever. And um, teaching him how to dice an onion, I mean, that really, like, changed his world. And he was always so good at prep work. But now he's become a chef in his own right. I'm like, you're really trying to take my <laughs> my title in the house. He's he's become so good. He so what's like what's his what's his go to dish? Like what's his like stunner dish? I mean he loves making brands, you know, whole fish. He oh, always wow. loves he his go to his fried chicken, his mac and cheese. Mm. Hi Luna, you wanna say hi? Hi Luna. Can you say hi? Come here. Oh, my... <laughs> Luna says hi. Hi. <laughs> um but he uh, yeah, I think his mac and cheese is something he's very proud of. We've had obviously family coming in every weekend to visit the baby and they all have the same request and it's john's mac and cheese oh wow so, upstaging you yes. jeez man it's actually on it's online right now he um it's on like this old martha stewart video um him making it he has this horrible goatee but i highly <laughs> suggest anyone watching that video <laughs> all right speaking of horrible goatees we're going to Start our lightning round now, um, okay. Chrissy. So you got either I'm or. I'm not at lightning rounds. I'm too wordy, but I'll. That's try. fine. Wordy's good. I like I like wordy. So um. Okay. Okay. All right. This we're gonna start here. Ready? Clean shaven John or scruffy John? Scruffy John. Scruffy John. All right. Sriracha or Cholula? Cholula for breakfast. Sriracha after 11 a.m. Ooh, wow! I like that. Cake or yeah. ice? Cake or ice cream? Ice cream. What, got a favorite flavor? I do um, salt and straws brownie bite. Mm. It's chocolate with giant chunks of delicious brownie. Yes. With magic shell on top. <laughs> I love. Why not? I love the cheap, <laughs> crappy magic shell from um, at the end of the aisles in the grocery store. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar there, with that. One of the, I've told you I'm too long-winded. Keep going. <sighs> Birkenstocks or flip-flops? Oh, on a man or woman? On you. Oh God, neither. My really? feet are. My feet have just uh, years of heel wearing and having a history of family from the jungles of Thailand. My feet are not equipped to show off. So what? In the, if you're at the beach, if you're in Mexico or somewhere, what are you wearing? you got to be wearing something. Oh, no, no shoes. I'm barefoot. No, barefoot. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of which, grilled fish tacos or fried fish tacos? Fried, absolutely. Beer battered. Nice. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Lakers or Clippers? Lakers now, especially. <laughs> With Mr. Mr. <laughs> Mr. James in town. It's going to be fun. I've invited them over. I hope, they'll, I hope they'll come. I'm sure they will. Cold brew or hot coffee? Cold brew, I love. But I don't, um, 
caffeine does nothing for me. What do you mean it does nothing uh, for, for you? It, Sorry? It, it, what do you mean it does nothing? It has to do something. It doesn't do anything. I just love the taste, I swear. <laughs> Are you a milk or sugar person? Yes. Yes. Both. Yes to I both. Love, I love heavy cream. Oh, man. I, I do. I'm into almond milks and stuff, but... I, I love I love the taste of dairy. Like I'm a whole milk girl. There's nothing more beautiful than when you have like the dark iced coffee and the heavy creams just cascading down I through know. the ice cubes. Half mm. and half heavy cream. I mean, I do. Uh, I'll use I'll like orange soda and put some heavy cream in it. I mean, I'm wait what? I'm, like, wait, did you say you put heavy yeah, cream in orange it, soda? An Italian soda. This sounds like a creamsicle, basically. Yes, it's delicious. Just like orange soda, Storts or whatever, or. Yeah. Um, actually, Thomas, what's it called? There's one that does a cream soda too, um, uh, with a with like a, a few drops of heavy, a few drops, like an inch of heavy cream. <laughs> Dantanas or Craig's? Oh, I'll only go to Craig's if I already had a shoot that day and I'm all made up. It's very paparazzi heavy. I'd love they have an amazing vegan ice cream, which mm, wow. you'll never hear those words come out of my mouth again. But it's spectacular. They also have this incredible um, pizza. Oh, and I love their, they have a, um, a spaghetti squash that I add chicken to and have them make extra spicy that's so good. So, yeah, Craig's, I guess. I like that. Customized. Pepperoni or sausage? For, I mean. For pizza. Both on a pizza. Sauce, you can't, you can't have both. You get, morning, or, you get one or the other on a pizza. You can't have both. This is not the meat lover's I, pizza. You get one you or the other. Because literally last night I had both from the pizza. <laughs> Um, <laughs> pepperoni. All right. Window or aisle? Mm, window, because I don't have to get up, and I never pee. I guess what? I don't drink enough water. Yeah, you should, you should drink more water. I'm, like the, I'm the ultimate seatmate. That's like, good. I'm, a, I'm gold. And I have to have window control. I don't believe in open windows on the airplane. It's Wait. clouds. Everyone's seen them. Oh, you want to close the window. Yeah. Yes. There's nothing worse like when you're trying to watch a movie on the seat back and then the person across the aisle has their window open no, and the sun's blasting in. And I'm always the person, like, you know when there's like a dark plane, but there's that one person mm-hmm. that's in the aisle and their window must be open. So there's just a beam of light that shoots across. Yeah. I'm always next to that person. It's like cutting through your skull. <laughs> All right, a couple more. Yoga or Pilates? Pilates. I, um, yoga is... I made fun of it for a long time, but it's actually, um, it's tough, and it's too too quiet, and I laugh. Like, I don't like when, I don't, the, the whole, like, third eye thing, I just, <laughs> I think it's all kind of silly, but. Okay, two yeah, more questions. Fun. Instagram or Twitter, you get one. Twitter. All right, you've got a lot to say. Final, <laughs> final question, Chrissy, butter or olive oil? Oh, my God. I can't do both. No, it's a lightning round. You get one or the other. <laughs> I told you I'm not good at this. Irish, salted, unsalted. What are we? Oh, it's up to you. Butter. Butter. All right, Chrissy Teigen, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Adam. All right, bye. Good luck with the book. Bye. Thank you so much. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Carrie Polis and Christina Che and produced and edited by Emma Wartsman. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wartsman. 
We have new episodes every Wednesday. And if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.